0: Chapter Five of A Group of Famous Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. A Group of Famous Women by Edith Horton, Mary Lyon, 1797 to 1849. Humankind is but one family. The education of its youth should be equal and universal. Francis Wright, daruze Today, if a girl wishes to obtain an education equal to that of a man, the doors of many colleges and other institutions of learning are open to her. It is not so many years ago that this was not the case. Most people then thought that girls had no need for a knowledge of the higher branches, and it is largely owing to Mary Lyon that the young women of today have such splendid advantages for education. Born in Buckland in Western Massachusetts, February 28th, 1797, Mary began life poor and obscure. She was the fifth of a family of seven children and her early life was one of hard work and of meager opportunity. Yet it was not unhappy. Her mountain home was well kept and her parents governed entirely by kindness insisting upon gentle words pleasant looks and thoughtfulness for others on the part of all the children out of doors all was beautiful the mountains the rocks and streams the fine trees which surrounded the house all gave the child much pleasure to mary it seemed as though the peaches and the strawberries raised on their own little farm were larger and more delicious than any others her parents had a wonderful faculty for making things grow and the neighbor said that the plants in mrs lyon's dooryard always bloomed more luxuriantly than any others in the neighborhood when mary was four years old her father died but her mother with the help of a hired man continued the work of the farm and succeeded in supporting her family mary as she grew up did much of the housework and the spinning in those days nearly every family spun the thread to weave the cloth for their own garments and by the time she was 12 years old, Mary had become expert at this work. At the age of seven, Mary walked two miles to school. She delighted in her studies and made such rapid progress that visitors to the school were astonished. Finally, the district school moved still farther away, and then Mary went to Ashfield to study, living there during school months and doing housework to pay for her board. Every spare moment was spent over her books, And when she was 12 years old, Mary Lyon determined to become a teacher. None of the other girls in the school had any definite purpose as to the future. The boys planned to become carpenters, farmers, teachers, lawyers, or ministers, but girls were supposed to become wives, mothers, and housekeepers, for which offices no special training was thought necessary. Since that time, fortunately for the race, public opinion has changed in this respect. Today, everybody knows that in order to manage a household well to rear children and to make a happy home girls need to have a great deal of knowledge when mary lyon announced her intention of being a teacher the community was astonished not to say shocked it was predicted that she would fail men not women were meant for the teaching profession mary's proficiency in her studies however could not be denied early and late she poured over her books In four days, to the amazement of her teacher, she learned all of Alexander's grammar and recited it perfectly. When she was thirteen, her mother married again and went to live in Ohio, but Mary remained on the farm and kept house for her only brother. He paid her one dollar a week, a large sum for a girl to earn in the year eighteen ten. For a while it looked as though her high ambitions would never be realized, but the brave girl did not know the word despair. She studied all she could and read every book she could lay her hands upon. After five years spent in this way, her brother married and went away, leaving his sister free to do as she pleased. Thus thrown entirely upon her own resources, Mary began her career as a teacher in Shelburne Falls. Seventy-five cents a week and board made up her munificent salary. By dint of spinning and weaving for some of the neighbors, she earned a little more luckily she did not care for fine clothes or trinkets so that at the age of twenty she had saved enough money to enable her to spend a term at sanderson academy at ashfield this was her great opportunity and she improved it well making a real sensation in the school by her brilliancy they say that when mary Lyons stood up to recite her classmates laid aside their tasks to listen to her the term over mary planned to go back to teaching for she had no money to continue her studies. It so happened that some of the trustees of the Academy, hearing of her unusual scholarship, offered her another term, tuition free. Mary thankfully accepted this favor and doubtless had wonderful dreams of the use she might make of all her knowledge when she should get it. But first, she must plan some way to pay her board while studying. Among her possessions were some bedding, some table linen, and a few other household articles. These she succeeded in exchanging at a boarding house for a room and a seat at table. Her companions in the boarding house told of her that she slept but four hours, spending all the remainder of her time at her books. But though she had now reached a point in scholarship where she could easily hold a position as teacher, Mary Lyon by no means considered her education completed. All her vacations were spent in the study of some branch in which she found herself deficient she spent some time in the family of the rev edward hitchcock afterward president of amherst college with whom she studied natural science at the same time taking lessons in drawing and painting from his wife in eighteen twenty one at the age of twenty-four mary had saved enough money to enable her to enter the school of rev joseph emerson at byfield her friends were strongly opposed to her going telling her that she knew enough already that as she would never be a minister it was unnecessary for her to study more but mary had other ideas and could not be diverted from her purpose mr emerson was a broad-minded man of very advanced notions for his day and generation he actually believed that women could understand philosophical subjects as well as men and that if their minds demanded good solid food They ought to have it his wife was a woman of much ability and together they discussed questions of science and religion with their pupils it was undoubtedly these discussions that turned mary lyon's mind and thoughts to spiritual things heretofore she had been so absorbed in her passion for general knowledge that the matter of religion had never touched her suddenly the fact burst upon her that all things in this life were useless and unsatisfying except as they were used in helping humanity. From this time on, her work of teaching seemed little short of inspired. When later an assistant was wanted at Sanderson Academy, notwithstanding the opposition of many who believed that a man should fill the place, Mary Lyon was selected for the position. Before long, one of her former teachers, Miss F. P. Grant, sent for her to fill a higher position at Derry, New Hampshire. Mary delayed going in order to take some lessons in chemistry from Professor Eaton of Amherst. The school in Derry numbered 90 pupils. It was held only during the summer months, and during the winter Mary again taught at Ashfield and Bucklands. She charged $0.25 a week for tuition, the scholars boarding with families in the vicinity at the rate of $1.25 weekly. Meanwhile, Miss Grant, who had removed to Ipswich, induced miss lyon to join her there together they conducted the ipswich academy and together they worked out their ideas of what a school should be during these years of teaching mary lyon's heart had been full of sympathy for girls who desired an education but could not obtain it there were no scholarships offered in those days and the doors of men's colleges were closed to women at ipswich mary found it impossible to conduct a good school on the income derived from the fees of the pupils, so she tried to interest wealthy men, ministers and college presidents in her plan of forming a high-grade school or college for women, asking those who were able to donate a sum of money for the purpose. Most of these men refused to aid her in the project, repeating the old story that girls had no need for a knowledge of science or the classics, that in fact they were unfitted for studying advanced branches. Miss Lyon held a quite different view and stuck to her purpose through every discouragement. Yet, sometimes even brave Mary Lyon had moments of despondency, when she would weep bitterly over her failure to interest others in her plans. But the idea of giving up the work never crossed her mind. She often said to her pupils, If you feel depressed, think of others, not of yourself. About this time, she refused a good offer of marriage, saying that her life was devoted to one purpose and that she must give herself entirely to her work. She prayed and begged her mother to pray for success. Over and over again, she would say, commit thy way unto the Lord. He will keep thee. Women must be educated. They must be. At last, her faith turned to a faint hope. People began to be interested, and she now gave all her time to the work of soliciting funds. It was her desire to raise the first thousand dollars From women and this she succeeded in doing in two months time dr hitchcock always her staunch friend aided her with his support and approval and one by one broad-minded noble men lent their assistance until the female seminary was an assured thing on october third eighteen thirty six the cornerstone of mount holyoke seminary was laid at south hadley massachusetts mary lyon in writing to a friend of the occasion said i have indeed lived to see the time when a body of gentlemen has ventured to lay the cornerstone of an edifice which will cost fifteen thousand dollars and which will be an institution for the education of females this will be an era in female education in about one year the seminary was opened to pupils since its advantages were intended chiefly to benefit poor girls the charges were placed at the low figure of sixty dollars a year for board and tuition. There were accommodations for 80 pupils but 116 attended the first year. In order to lessen expenses as well as to insure good health and to teach domestic science, all the household work was done by the pupils. Moreover, if it could be shown that the graduates of the seminary had acquired a knowledge of household matters together with their classical and scientific studies, the prejudice which existed against education for girls might be lessened. Miss Lyon received a salary of two hundred dollars a year, and her teachers received from one hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars each. Katherine Beecher once took Mary Lyon to task for the small salaries paid her teachers. Miss Lyon replied, In a list of motives for teaching, I should first place the great motive love thy neighbor as thyself. She aimed to employ only such teachers as would work as she did, for the benefit of humanity. Her own best reward was the love which her pupils manifested for her and the respect with which they treated her. She never had any trouble with discipline, because she never required anything of the students but compliance with the ordinary rules of ladylike behavior, consideration for others, and attention to their studies. They were expected to do right or to go away. The fact is that none but earnest workers sought to enter Mount Holyoke. After 12 years as principal of Mount Holyoke Seminary, Miss Lyon died March 5, 1849, and was buried in the seminary grounds. Over her grave is a beautiful monument of white Italian marble bearing the memorable sentence she uttered when giving her last instruction to her scholars. There is nothing in the world i fear but that i shall not know all my duty or shall fail to do it to her was due one of the greatest revolutions in the history of our country she reversed the prevailing opinion of the men of that time regarding female education and was the grand pioneer in a movement which has gone steadily forward ever since today the property of mount holyoke is worth three million dollars thousands of girls have been educated there Many of whom have become missionaries and teachers. Many others have married; their education enabling them to be better wives and mothers, and to do their full duty in any station in life to which they may be called. End of chapter five, Mary Lyon.